As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Monday edition of Football and Grits. We are back. Another week of SEC football. And uh, Andy, before we get into the show, we're going to talk a lot about the cocktail party, but Florida gets that huge win. They finally uh, catch and and beat Georgia. So the question that I have, um, that I think a lot of people have, are is this Florida catching Georgia? Have they have they established themselves as an equal? That big picture, this is going to be a neck and neck battle, or, or Florida's past them, or do you still see this situation as hey, once Georgia figures out the quarterback spot, this thing is is not quite as close as it, as it looked on Saturday. Well, it didn't look close on Saturday, but that's because Florida mm-hmm. has a much better quarterback situation. But unless Kyle Trask wants to take the opportunity to have a six year, which he could, but something tells me that being a first-round draft pick is going to prevent him from, from taking a six-year, <laughs> then Florida's going to be in this boat, too. I mean, they've, they've been prepping Emory Jones for this job, but and they've also got Anthony Richardson. But there's no guarantee that they're going to be as good as Kyle Trask is. Nobody had any idea that Kyle Trask would be as good as Kyle mm-hmm. Trask is. So, yeah, this could flip back if Georgia gets its quarterback situation figured out. But right now, Florida it definitely looks like they can be competitive in this rivalry, but they got to have the guy at QB. Dan Mullen has a pretty good track record of guys at QB. This. So I think you, you got to give Florida credit for getting to this point because the last two years, they did not look like they could stay on the same field as Georgia. This year, they blew Georgia off that field for a half or, or for a quarter and a half and mm-hmm. then kind of throttled down and made sure they won the game. A little worried about Florida's offense without pits, but – you know, I, I think he'll be back, and they'll they'll be able to figure that part out before they have to play Alabama. And I'm assuming they're going to play Alabama because they'd have to lose twice to not do it. But it's it, it's one of those things where the, the development of Kyle Trask really made this possible for Florida. And Georgia's got to figure out how to find their own Kyle Trask. And by that, I don't mean find a guy who didn't start at his high school who turns out to be a first-round NFL draft pick. They just have to find that quarterback who makes their offense dynamic, and they don't have that yet. 
Yeah, I, I that that that's sort of the the question for Georgia. I don't know what that route is. Is that uh, you know, is that JT Daniels getting healthy? Is that you know, Dewan Mathis looking very very different? Do you raid the transfer market? Do you you know, is uh, you know, you get that through recruiting? There's a number of routes, uh, but I don't know that that's something that can get solved in 2020 uh, pretty clearly. So uh, let's get into it. I appreciate everybody for subscribing. Uh, leave us a review, five-star rating. It helps get the word out. we got a full week of content uh, behind our paywall. You can see that there. And, of course, all the podcasts you can listen to uh, on whatever podcast purveyor you uh, you frequent. You can listen to the rest of this show every every weekday. And, of course, the Andy Staples Show, Breaking Down College Football at Large. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash grits. You can read Andy's work, my work, all of our college football team. Uh, I think we have the best team covering college football uh, in the world. So uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but uh, – you know, our subscribers seem to like it as well. So let's get into the awards, Andy. I think there's not much competition here for the best team performance. We've touched on Florida. You know, this was the sort of the breakthrough game. You know, you, you talk about you're chasing Georgia for so long. Uh, Georgia had been outpacing them, but but sometimes, you know, the dog catches the car. That car might have a flat tire at quarterback, but this, this was not an upset. You know, Florida outplayed them. I, th- I think Georgia has a better roster. You know, injuries certainly played a part. You know, Jordan Davis, uh, Richard LeCount, all those issues. But, I, you know, Florida has a, a playmaker at quarterback. And Kyle Trask, we, we talked about this off the top. Georgia had a liability. And sometimes the sport is just that simple. Am, am I oversimplifying what happened on Saturday in Jacksonville? Only by a little. I, I think Florida's defense coming around and finally being able to play in its most complete version was helpful as well. Kyrie Campbell coming back against Missouri was a huge boost for them. And then once Zachary Carter came back in after the the first half suspension, he was in the quarterback's face all the time. So it, it may be that this defense is better than we gave it credit for being early in the season because it was playing a little shorthanded. It looked pretty porous against Ole Miss and against Texas A&M, but it looks like it could be a much better version of itself as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's it. it Florida looks like a looks like a team. I don't know that they're going to be able to beat Alabama. I, I need to see more still from them. I think Alabama, the offense is just the next level. Um, you know, they're obviously matching up pretty well with, with what LSU did last year. Um, but this is going to be. Uh, I must say, I'm I'm a, I'm a lot more excited to watch. An Alabama Florida game than an Alabama than an Alabama Georgia rematch, personally. Oh, uh, for sure, because that's going to be a fun ball score game. Score so many points. I mean, yes, the, the the way Florida can can spread the ball around the stuff they were doing, getting the backs out of the backfield and hitting them. Florida's the, the difference between Florida and Alabama is Florida's probably never going to be able to just grind it out in the run game. You know, Alabama can play games where if it goes that way and they need to control clock, they can run the ball a lot, keep keep the ball on the ground and still keep moving mm-hmm. it. Florida's got to throw it to keep moving it. And the beauty of it is, though, they are great at finding so many different targets. I mean, uh, this was a team I think had 11 guys that had double-digit catches last year. This year they, they seem to have as many targets as they had last year. And I think that makes a huge difference because how do you cover all that? You know, you, you can have – a really good defense, but they put you in situations where if you lose one one-on-one matchup, it could be a really big play. 
And, you know, Georgia yesterday, we had, you, you had Rice playing on a bum foot, trying to cover wheel routes out of the backfield. That was never going to work. And, and they it took advantage not go of well. it. Yeah, <laughs> they, I mean, they missed so, it a couple times, and they kept hitting it. That was uh, – I mean, that every single play, you had a running back that was running away from a linebacker. It was uh, – uh, that seemed to me, again, not, not sound strategy. You know, moving on to our best individual performance, did you have anybody besides Kyle Trask in this spot? No. I mean, he, he <laughs> played an amazing – I mean, it, his, his numbers were tracking by Joe Burrows last year. Yeah, and this is Georgia. I, Georgia had all you know. We know this is not the, the the same Georgia defense in early October. The injuries are part of that, but even the, the defense they put out there yesterday is still one of the best defenses in college football. And 474 yards against any defense is amazing. But that defense, you know, he's got some weapons. Kadarius Tony, uh, Trevon Grimes, obviously. But he was dealing. And those wheel routes, you know, they look pretty. They look fun. That's not an easy throw. And he kept making it over and over, finding Kyle Pitts, putting the ball where Pitts can make some plays. I mean, just that's the game that, that Florida fans have been waiting for for, what, a decade, Andy? I'd say since two, the 2008 season, you know, Tebow's mm-hmm. senior year was 2009, but they really stopped being a dynamic offense once Percy Harvin was gone. Mm-hmm. It's been since then. So it, it's been 12 years that Florida's been waiting to see a game like that. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, on the other side of the SEC East, <laughs> my stat of the week this week, I wrote about it at The Athletic. Uh, you know, I was obviously at, our, at uh, the Arkansas-Tennessee game on Saturday. Tennessee, in its last four games, has been outscored in the second half 88-7. to The first three weeks, you could point to turnovers. But Saturday, it was just two totally different teams, um, mostly on defense. I I, I think, you know, when you look at where Tennessee is at, I've written about this sort of a little bit, never sort of big picture, but I've referenced it a few times. I just think Tennessee, the bar is too low offensively. They want to control the ball. They don't want to turn the ball over. Okay? Score points. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the point of offense. Go score points. Can they score points, though? I mean – Listen, they can't. Well, it's not about. It's Garantano not about they can. It's hurt like the, and they the, couldn't do anything offensively. Yeah, but the design of the offense feels a lot of the time like it's not to score points. It feels like the design of the offense is to limit how many snaps the other team can have. Or yeah, all the, the, the Missouri was, game was their ideal. Yes, it was. But Missouri also started the first quarter and put themselves in a hole by playing the wrong quarterback. And Tennessee also blew a fourteen-point lead at South Carolina. I mean, Tennessee is not that far from being a very, very different team where this is like, you know, meltdown situation. It's already really, really bad, so here's, but it could here's be worse. The deal. 
Tennessee fans look at Tennessee as being on the same level as Georgia and Florida. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is, from a talent standpoint, they're closer to Arkansas than they are to, to Georgia or Florida. From a coaching standpoint, Arkansas has a better coach. Arkansas has a lot better coach than a lot of people. You know, Sam Pittman's coaching circles around most of these guys. And the difference is, Sam Pittman, instead of coming in and saying, here's what we have, I'm going to need this many years to change it, to make it my thing, he goes, I'll just try to win with what I have. Mm-hmm. I will try to adapt what I do to win with the players that are here. Instead of saying, this all sucks, I'm going to need some time to get, get my thing going. It's not going to work that way. you yeah. got to win with, the, with what you got. And Tennessee's abject refusal to simplify the offense so that a quarterback down the line can play it. Because this is, this is what I said last week on, on my podcast about Tennessee and about Georgia. With Georgia, I was like, what if Stetson Bennett gets hurt? Well, you saw what happened. You, you got to go to Dewan Mathis, who wasn't ready. Well, whose fault is it that he's not ready? It's the coach's fault. Tennessee, they kept trying to go to other quarterbacks. It was never ready, so they go back to Garantano. What if Garantano couldn't play? Well, you saw that situation on Saturday. Whose fault is it that Marr and Harrison Bailey weren't ready? The coaches. Now, I'd argue... Maybe let Harrison Bailey throw a pass before you make him do it on a fourth down where you should be trying a field goal anyway. Fourth and four with the game just on the saying, line. Here's your first meaningful college pass attempt. Good luck, Harrison. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, there are so many issues with Tennessee right now. They can't cover a slant. It seems like when the game's on the line, they can't really, you know, stop uh, opposing running games, no matter how average those running games may be. <sighs> People want to act like the quarterback would fix everything. I think that's that's definitely an oversimplification. I just don't know where to start. They're leaking oil from everywhere, and I don't know how you fix this, and I don't know if Jerry Pruitt's going to have enough time to get that fixed. I mean, this is they're, – they're sort of through the looking glass. You know, Georgia State was the first time where Tennessee fans were like, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about this guy. And then Kentucky, people were just sort of mad, and you could see the the you know the the anger. But the, there were the pick sixes, and people wanted to lay that at Garantano's feet a little bit more. This just judging from what I see and from what I hear, this is the first time where Tennessee fans. I don't know that the, that you could necessarily say everybody's out, but this is the first time that like you know you're hearing Hugh Freeze's name pop up. They were out after the Florida game stuff. last year, and they got back in, but. Yeah, Here, here's, yeah. Here's the problem. Tennessee might only win one more game this season. Yes, Vanderbilt. And they're, they're, it's, 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 not, it's not, you know, you talk about the bad timing of the bye last week. How about a bad timing for Texas A&M to come in? The problem is when you're not very good, a lot of things seem to happen at bad timing, and that's, that's where Tennessee's living right now. Well, what, what was a bad timing for a bye? It, like, you can't use a bye week to beat Arkansas? Exactly. Well, the idea is that you don't want to stare at a loss for two weeks, getting your butt kicked. You might have a chance to change things. But that's that's the thing is, you know, you hit on it at the start. Tennessee just doesn't have any excuses right now. You know, you're coming off no. of a bye. You have uh, – you're in year three. You're talent, you have a more talented roster. You know, I'm you not did sure they have that much more of a talented roster than well, Arkansas. Well, I'm not that's, than Arkansas I think, necessarily, I think that's but the, from the 2018, you've built, you've, built up, you've built up your roster more than it was in 2018. You're playing a, 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 an Arkansas team that is not the pushover that we thought they might be at the start of the season, but still 
uh, is a team that you should beat. If you're going on the road and you're still favored, that's that's um, you know a notable thing. But you know that's a you know I think anybody would have said Sam Pittman lower expectations and a tougher rebuild than Jeremy Pruitt had, and it didn't seem to matter on Saturday night. It hasn't mattered at all because Sam Pittman never made any excuses. Mm-hmm. All Sam Pittman did was figure out how to use the players he inherited to make them better. And that's a lot of coaches screw that up. A lot of coaches say, well, I got to get my guys who can do my thing. You're never going to get that. You're always going to need to be able to adapt. And Mm -hmm. what you've seen from Kirby Smart is an inability to adapt. What you've seen from Jeremy Pruitt is an inability to adapt. They need to learn quickly to adapt, which is strange because – they worked for the most adaptable coach in America for a long time. It's, it's almost like Nick Saban is still better than all those guys. It's, <laughs> I'm but it's beginning to like wonder. They, they were there but not paying attention. Yeah. Like, that's that's it, the part I don't get. Nick Saban, everybody thinks he's like this hard ass who's like, I, wanna, I want football to be played this way. Even when he was complaining about up-tempo offenses, he was recruiting to defend them and to run them behind and the scenes. Is, he just wasn't telling is that what fo- Is that what we want football to be, comment? In in hindsight, sounds so much more like a threat than a complaint now. That's exactly <laughs> and right. You're seeing, and you're seeing it. I just think Tennessee, you know, I've written this and said this, but Tennessee, they're trying to recreate Alabama 2012, and Alabama in 2020 is realizing that Alabama, Alabama 2012 would Alabama be 9 Alabama in 2012 knew that. Okay. Let's, let's story time with Uncle Andy here. Let's, so let's, I'm sitting down. I'm, I'm sitting Indian style right now. In, in 2012, I was invited to be the guest host on Nick Saban's radio show the Thursday before they played Texas A&M. This is the Johnny Manziel Heisman year. Nick Saban knew they were going to lose that game on that Thursday night. He knew exactly how they were going to lose it. On that radio show, in the course of one hour, he described exactly how that game was going to play out. 100% accuracy. He knew they were going to lose. He knew they didn't have the personnel to deal with it. And so you knew he was already working to fix that. It actually took probably until 2015 to have the roster to deal with it the way he wanted to deal with it. But he was already working on it then. And that's the thing. If you're trying to recreate 2012 Alabama in 2020, what are you thinking Nick Saban knew in 2012 that Alabama 2012 wasn't going to work much longer. Mm-hmm. So, and he went out and hired Lane Kiffin, and now Tennessee is, is <laughs> exactly to retro retrofit this offense. It's it's wild. Uh, and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. Directv gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, I got a special award this week, uh, the Dale Earnhardt Memorial Award, and I handed this out because, uh, you know, nobody was better at turning corners, Andy. And Texas A&M, they've been given this. It, this was a game – listen, I've, I've watched a lot of A&M football in my day. It could have been nervy. You're going on the road. you got a sort of capable South Carolina team. It's the same team that beat Georgia last year. 
you just this I've seen this game before. AM drops the hammer. Isaiah Spiller goes off. They left no doubt. And that that's 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 a sign of progress to me. Has has Jimbo Fisher built the second best team in the SEC and people just don't want to admit it yet? It's entirely possible. And so so I got into this on Twitter last night because I screwed up the first tweet and and now but <laughs> then then the circumstances changed anyway. So the best win in America this year is Notre Dame beating Clemson. Yes. I think we can agree on that. Yes. The second best win is Alabama beating A&M. And the third best win is, is A&M beating Florida. A&M mm-hmm. has that Florida win in its back pocket. If Florida keeps winning and then Alabama beats Florida in the SEC championship game, and all A&M has done since losing to Alabama in week two is crush people, it's going to be a very interesting conversation for the committee. Now, there, there are going to be other circumstances, other teams. Uh, Notre Dame and Clemson now have a case where there's a scenario where they can both get in. But A&M is in really good shape right now. And the only reason they're in really good shape right now is because they've become the kind of team that wins the games they are supposed to win, which is not something Texas A&M has ever been. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M, the issues have never been, you know, they can't hang with the big boys. It's that they can't bring it every week. They couldn't do what Texas and Oklahoma could do when they were in their heyday. They can't do what Alabama does where they show up every week, even as they're still building their roster and, and you know, Kevin Sumlin gets it going but can't ever get over the top. You know, I'm not all the way in on A&M, but this is kind of what I thought A&M could be at the start of the season. I don't know that I thought they could be the second-best team in the whole SEC, but certainly I thought they were in the West. But they're even better than I thought. If you're just hammering middle-of-the-road middle SEC teams, that's – a pretty good sign when you've right. already got that Florida win in your back pocket. Right, because South Carolina has talent. Now, I realize LSU crushed them, and then LSU got housed by Auburn, but South Carolina beat Auburn. Mm-hmm. This, is not a, this is not a team bereft of talent. There, there are good players there, and A&M humiliated them, just humiliated them. And that's not something we're used to seeing from A&M. A&M tends to either lose those games or win them by the skin of its teeth. Mm-hmm. And you look at the rest of A&M's schedule – I think Auburn's probably the toughest game left on the schedule. LSU, I mean, I, I keep in the back of my mind, I keep thinking LSU might magically fix the defense, but I think I probably should let that go and I'm accept that that's not going to happen this year. I give you permission to let it go. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, that, but that's the thing. A&M has a clear path. And the way A&M has been playing, I realize Auburn's getting better, but if A&M continues to improve week after week, by the time they play Auburn, I'm not sure Auburn can hang. And I will say in the uh, in the you know butterfly effect uh, segment of this show, bad luck for A&M last night because if Clemson wins that game, you got to like Clemson's odds to win again. Right, when you have it, Trevor just, Lawrence. it just takes Notre Dame. Their off road the board. to the playoff. Yeah. their road to the playoff got tougher with that Notre Dame win because now you've got you know if you're Notre Dame, you can lose in the ACC championship and still have a good shot. Man, that that's but, bad but luck for da- David, David, let's not forget. Now you were very young when this happened. I was I was a teenager <laughs> when this happened. But I remember Notre Dame winning a game like that, and they had to play BC the next week. Mm-hmm. And they did not win against BC. Guess who they play next week? The fighting Jeff Halfleys would be my that's guess. Exactly right. <laughs> so that that situation may clear itself up. But you're you're absolutely right. At this point, it does complicate matters that that bad Notre Dame luck and Clemson are, are they have, have a scenario they where they can both get in. Mm-hmm. Well, moving on, the Still Counts Award. Uh, Will Rogers, 
stepping in for the injured KJ Costello. 4.9 yards per attempt on 46 pass attempts. Got the W. I looked up on, on CFB stats. No, None of the top 100. They have, like, minimums for, for pass attempts. But nobody was that low on the entire season. I think it went all the way down to 5.1. So he's literally off the charts. But listen, dink and dunk. Get the dub. I think they had 204 yards of total offense against Vanderbilt. Their backs only had 14 yards and seven carries. You know, in a pillow fight, somebody's going to leave covered in feathers, but on Saturday it was Vanderbilt. So, listen, not impressive. It's cold. <laughs> listen, not, not impressive, but listen. Mississippi State got a badly needed win, and, uh, you know, congrats to them. Those are in short supply in Starkville. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, the only other win they had, you had to credit to Bo Pelini. So, this one you can actually credit to them. Props to them. Yeah, Bo Pelini, uh, again, just feeling generous this year. So, nice, nice, uh, uh, you know, change. I appreciate that. Well, Andy, that will do it for our Monday show. Uh, the SEC East is, is pretty interesting right now. Georgia, floun- Georgia floundering, Florida surging, Tennessee. Uh, I don't know what I'd call what Tennessee is doing. Do you have, a, do you have an operative word? Cratering? Uh, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Best of luck with the uh, Aggies uh, coming into town. But, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing to our show. Uh, if you aren't already, you should change that. Leave us a rating and a review. It helps the show. And, of course, subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash grits. And listen to Andy's show, The Andy Staples Show, covering college football at large. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again all week. Aaron Suttles tomorrow answering reader questions, taking you inside the tide, and I'll be back on Wednesday and Thursday before John Hayes, John Hayes closes us out for the week with some picks. So thanks again for listening to Football and Grits, the SEC show on The Athletic. We'll see you again tomorrow.